Today on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard begins a brand new series taking a look at the revealer of God, the Lord Christ. Join us. Who is Jesus Christ? And what did he come for? What reasons? That's the subject of our time today and throughout the month of December as we celebrate the holiday season and the first advent of Christ, we begin a series today called Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. We would invite you to join us today as we do just that. Take a look at the Revealer of God and who He is, the Lord Jesus Christ. An encouraging look of Jesus Christ straight ahead. Join us from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our teacher and pastor now. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. While you're turning to John 1, I I would say something that is very uh, true, and you know this to be true. This season, as well as Easter, is so loaded with fiction that our poor kids don't know what to believe. And have you ever heard that line that truth is stranger than fiction? But what will our kids have drummed in them for the next six weeks? Something like this. And you tell me if you've met this person, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Have any of you met him? Some of you have, okay. Well, we know what you've been drinking. Uh, That eggnog's a little strong, isn't it? Okay, we've got Rudolph, we've got Frosty the Snowman. Now, I mean, you know, he talks, he's almost like an uncle. We've heard that so much. And, And just think of, the big thing we celebrate is a big fat man that lives in the North Pole, and he's even got names for his reindeer. And you can hear him on the roof once in a while. I mean, now, our kids, I mean, I don't know how old I was before I found out that that guy didn't exist, but it was a big letdown. And why, I wonder why all these fictitious stories, why all of this, uh, uh, you know, Scrooge, that's a great story. I love the story. But when you actually come to what did happen, what did happen, uh, the, the world has such a great way to eclipse everything that's Christian about these holidays. That was Christmas. It wasn't Santa-mus. It wasn't Rudolph-mus. It was a mass about Christ. And so now we want to look in John's Gospel. Let me tell you something about the four Gospels. The four Gospels are like four different photographs of Christ. And the, the photographer for sure of Matthew was a Jewish boy. They all were, but you talk about a Jewish Gospel. The book of Matthew is, he is the son of David. That's why a pedigree and his genealogy is given. And he is uh, the king of Israel. And it says right there in Matthew 1, this is born the king of the Jews. It probably has more Old Testament verses brought over to the new in Matthew than any other gospel. Mark comes along and he writes a gospel that is just about him as a servant. And he doesn't give a genealogy because the servant doesn't need a genealogy. And the big portrayal of him is like the ox. He comes, he's quick, he's straightway. It's, uh, he's this uh, servant g- God. 
Luke, the doctor, comes along and he gives us that writing for the Gentile world, the perfect man. And the man, we need to have his genealogy. But what's interesting, he doesn't trace him. Uh, he gets him back to David. But after Solomon, he doesn't go through Solomon's side of the family except through Nathan. Because in the Davidic order, there was a curse upon Jeconiah and Jeremiah that no one out of his descendants would ever sit on the throne of David. But guess what? There was another branch of the family tree that came out of David. And Luke records it, that the right to the throne in his humanity is described in Luke. He humanly is qualified to be on the throne of David. And he has the Davidic right in the book of Matthew. But when we come to John, John, we don't hear Bethlehem. He just steps right out of eternity. And listen to what it says. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was being with God. And the Word was being God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. I do not want to look at any more but that today because this is going to be enough for us. John gives the title, the Word to Christ. Verse 14, it said, the Word was made flesh. And so we know only one member of the Godhead could this be describing, God the Son the Christ. But he takes us back into eternity, not to David, not to Abraham. This Messiah steps right out of eternity in John's gospel. And he just says, in the beginning was the Word. I want you to just get some kind of knowledge of this word, Word. It's the Greek word logos. We get our word logic. We get our word reason. A Jewish brilliant man from Alexandria, Philo, developed a whole philosophy in the Greek world as he combined Old Testament scriptures and he made the Logos the divine rationale behind everything. He didn't make it personal. It was just a philosophical, the ideology, the perfect image, the perfect template after which all of the creation has been formed around. So there was great, there are pages written on this one word, logos. What it meant to the Greek world. Also what it meant to the Hebrew world. Why would you call this one the word? Notice in the beginning, the word. Does it remind you of Genesis 1-1? It should. Because in the beginning of all creation back here, it just took one divine word to bring order out of chaos. One divine word brought light to darkness. One divine word gave life. Now John picks this up and saying, in a fallen world, in a ruined world, God has decided to give us another word in these last days. Hebrews 1, 2. In these last days, God has chosen to speak to us through a son. And so God is going to speak to us right out of eternity to a ruined race, a ruined world that fell from that first beginning. And now we need spiritual life. And so he's...
God wants to communicate with us. Three things I would note about this word, word. We use words as a medium of manifestation. We use words to communicate what is hidden and get it out. The heart is revealed by the mouth. Our hearts reveal by words. A, a way of revealing what's in our heart. So this loaded word, God, after 400 years of silence from Malachi to Matthew, decides to talk to us again. And he talks right out of eternity. And this time, he doesn't talk to a prophet. He doesn't talk to a Bible book. This time, he's going to talk through God the Son. And so John says, he's the Word. The Word. Now, let's look at some things about him. Uh, especially in an era when he's just one of many kinds of gods. Let's see what John says about him. Number one, the Word, God the Son, was eternally existing at the time of the beginning. This little word here, was, is a tense that he was continually in existence at the time of the beginning. Some ask, what beginning? Well, anything that ever began. Before anything ever began to begin. Whether it's physical creation, take it as far back as you want. If you want a billion years, help yourself. If you want a squillion years, help yourself. I don't care. Help yourself. Go back as far as you want. Time, space, matter. When do they start? Is it early earth or you got to have a squillion years? It doesn't matter. Debate it all you want. Before anything ever began, this one was already existing. He pre-existed before everything that was ever created. So this is an eternal God. Way back. And he's going to step into the human arena. What an amazing thing. Jesus Christ never had a beginning. His humanity did. His humanity began in the womb of Mary, but his person always existed. Now, this is theological, and you should never be theological in church, should you? You just need four steps on how to kiss your wife. No, it's about theology. You'll figure out the kissing. Let me tell you, this is the thing. Christ is a divine person. And a divine person, he never did have a beginning. Wait, wait, and we'll look at it more when we look at his humanity. But at a point in time, he joined to his divine person a human nature. And this is what he did in his humanity. And he will retain that forever. But he was not always human. But it was always God. Always God. So, before anything ever began, before physical creation, before stars, before moons, before Satan, before demons, before angels, Christ was already existing. He is eternal in his being. That is amazing, to be an eternal being. Did you know God has never had a birthday? God never ages. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow, always the same. Do you ever look at some of your photographs and ask, who is that? I mean, gravity is wrecking your face. And it wrecks other things. 
I mean, I'm telling you, just gravity is hard on us. Said, man, I need a, 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 everything's a lift. I need a, yeah, you do. And, and Mary Kay can't pull it off. We all need a lift because gravity and death is taking its toll on the whole race. But here's one who is ageless, eternal. Nothing's new to him. Nothing you'll ever do will surprise him. He's not learning anything about human nature. He already, this morning as I was praying to him, I said, Lord, you already know from eternity past what I was going to ask you for. Is that true? Yeah. I still had to pray it. But he already knew it. He's eternal. Eternal. And we'll look at this more as we go through this as we deal with a man by the name of Arius. Uh, so, Christ was from eternity, and he says here, and the word was with God. Now, this little word with has the idea of facing, uh, face to face. And what that means is uh, several things. One, he was in perfect communion with another who's called God. Could be God the Father, God the Son. Or rather, God the Holy Spirit. But it's just causing God, probably the Father. And he says, all that time in eternity past, he's been in a face-to-face -face relationship with someone called God. This implies several things. This word is unique from another one called God. So there's a distinct personship. There's at least two persons we're dealing with here. Two, there must be essential equality to be on a face-to-face -face level with God. There must, it just shouts some kind of equality. I have a face-to-face -face relationship with you that would just shout to us equality on equal terms. So we have two here that are equal but distinct. We always just have a way of abandoning Trinitarian theology. Did you know we worship one God in three persons? And how is that so? How can God be one but three? Well, several concepts. God is one in the sense he's a compound unity. Uh, and the, the Hebrew said this, our God, hero is, or our God is one. And the word for one there was the word that he said he made the morning and the evening the first day. Two parts, one day. He said, male and female shall become one flesh. Did you know husbands and wives? You are one, even if she votes Republican and you vote Democrat. You are one in, the, my, in a compound unity sense. Uh, the Hebrews used it of a cluster of grapes. Many individual grapes made one cluster of grapes. Compound unity. Our God is a compound. He's one, compounded, but he's manifest in three distinct persons. The Holy Spirit didn't die for you. Quit thanking him for dying for you. And quit running to Jesus in prayer. You're supposed to go to the Father. But see, we don't think Trinitarian. You pray to the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit. Does it make any difference? I think it does to them. They're distinct. I don't thank the Father for dying for me. He didn't die for me. The Son died. That's called patripassinism. Attributing to the Father a work that the Son did. We are Trinitarian because we're Biblicists. The Bible says God is one but three. 
That's why you know no idiot could invent these theologies. It's either from God or the guy is a lunatic. No man could invent the doctrine of the Trinity, I don't think. It's so complex and so involved. But here we have the Word was eternally face to face with God. So what is that? Well, now he says the third thing about the Word. This is profound. Look at what it says here. And the Word was being God. This one he calls the Word here, he calls God. Is that in your Bible? Are you looking there? Is that there? Get the right trans. Pull out a Bible. Right there. And the Word was God, and I'm reflecting the Greek tense, was being continuously in the past God. Now, Unitarians and Jehovah's Witnesses love to tear this verse apart because it goes this way. The Word was, and then in Greek it's just theos. And they said, ah, and you can translate something that's anarthrous, something without a definite article. Let's say if you say a house, that's anarthrous. If it was articular, you'd say the house. Now, if I said, go to the house, what would you pick up from that? Would that be quality of house or a definite house? Ah, you got it. You're good. Uh, go to the house. That's definite, identifying it. But if I said, go to a house, what would you go to? You'd have to go to something that had the quality or the nature of a house. It could be anyone, but it has quality in nature. And Greek scholars, this is, this is not saying Christ was a God. It's saying the Word as to His nature, as to His characteristic in every way was essentially the very kind of God as the God He was facing. He shares essentially everything that is God's. One of the strong, the Bible says over and over, Jesus Christ is God. John 5, 17, he called God his Father, making himself equal, and for this they picked up stones to stone him. He did not say, no, you didn't understand me. He held on to it. I am just like my Father in that I could do everything he tells me to do. I can raise the dead. I can do miracles. He said that. John 10, 30 said, I and the Father are one. Hey, how, I thought they were distinct. It's a neuter in the Greek. I and the Father are one thing. We share that one spirit that is God. We share that in common, but we are distinct persons. Romans 9, 5, we teach that our God, there, Israel was told, there is one who is God and Christ, Messiah, is God. What a powerful statement. But cults have come along. And a man in the second century by the name of Arius, he was a priest and uh, he lived in North Africa. He came along and he got into a big battle over this idea that Christ could be God. Uh, he just didn't buy it because there was a lot of philosophies around that said this. This is what the Gnostics said. God is too pure to ever be contaminated by touching matter, for matter is evil. 
So stuff is evil, so God could never directly create something that's evil. So they invented a whole system of spun-off lesser deities called emanations, lesser gods. And you'd start up here with the, the real God, and you'd get this whole pantheon of lesser beings. You might even throw in there angelic beings, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, lesser gods. And finally you get down here to a junior God, way down, and he can create. But not directly from the hand of God himself. John goes right in the face of that. Creation came out of the hands of God directly. No middlemen involved. Christ, he's going to say, is that agent. Look what he says there. He was with God in the beginning through him. And that's an interesting term, through Christ, through the word, through the agency of, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, is that true? Is that true in biology 101? It's why science and religion seem to always be in conflict. Are we against science? Not against true science, not against true knowledge, not against true fact, but the Word of God is superior. How many of you'd want to be doctored out of a doctor book written in 1890? How many of you'd want to believe what you believe about science based on the year 1890? Oh no, it's changing constantly. Man's knowledge is relative. It's always changing. But this creator, God, he says, all the way back, everything that ever had its beginning, Christ was the divine agent that created it. But Arius said, no. There was a time when Christ did not exist. God did not create matter. Can't be. The Gnostics added that. And so Arius had to be refuted at the Council of Nicaea. And he was told there was never a time Christ had a beginning. And Christ is one in substance with the Father. He's not a less God. He is co-equal with God. I asked the question, who came to Bethlehem? One who eternally pre-existed all of creation? One who is in eternal communion and fellowship with the Father. One who is called God without apology. And then the fourth thing here says, he not only preceded creation, he is the agent of everything that was ever created. What a, what a powerful, powerful picture this is, that the Creator is going to step out of eternity and live among creation, and even allow a part of his being to be created. Imagine there is an aspect of him that he took on that had a beginning, and it began in the womb of a little Jewish girl. What an amazing, that God needed diapers, that God needed a mother's breast, and he says it in Psalms 22, I was trusting in you while I was at my mother's breast. What an amazing condescension. Our series is entitled Jesus Christ, the Revealer of God. And this has been Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. 
Thank you for joining us. Here in the month of December, as we gear up for Christmas, we have an awful lot of information to pass along to you about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, as well as Truth For Today and the Radio Ministry Weekly here on KFAX. First, a quick look at our calendar. Coming up throughout the month of December, we would invite you to join us. Sunday, December 8th, Saturday, December 14th, and Sunday, December 15th. We are offering three public performances of our free Christmas gospel concert. All of the details and information can be found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Or, if you wish, get a hold of us by phone, toll-free, 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And again, you can find out all of the details about all of the events, and the special events especially, here in the month of December at our website, valleybible.org. And if you enjoyed the broadcast today, please bear in mind, all you have to do is get a hold of us and we'll send a copy your way on CD. Our purpose is to get the word out. And in the spirit of the season, we're making the sermon broadcast available on CD to anyone who calls. Now, in addition, for a gift of any amount, we'll mail the entire series to the first 50 callers each week. So get a hold of us today, toll free, 855 or visit our website, valleybible.org. Sunday services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we would invite you to join us, especially this holiday season, if you don't have a place to worship. Please consider spending time with us Sundays at 9 or 11. We meet at 1447 Willow Avenue here in Hercules. Details on our website, valleybible.org, or simply call 855-833-9864. Thank you for joining us for Truth For Today. Until next time, God bless.